Hi, I'm Marshall Ramsey. For years, I've drawn the most interesting people in Mississippi. Now, I get to interview them, too. Welcome to Conversations Podcast, where I sit down with the famous and folks who should be famous, and we just talk. The death of a loved one is one of the hardest things we all face in life, but it's especially cruel when the death is an act of suicide. There's an organization in the Jackson area that shares a message of life and hope to anyone who has suffered a loss through suicide or contemplating ending their own life. Patty Harrington and Kathy Cooper join us today from Firefly Outreach. It is so, number one, it's good to see you again. It's so good to see you as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's very nice to meet you. Thank you, you also. Yeah, and I've heard that y'all are a force to be reckoned with. Well, and I know you are, so, <laughs> so together I'm a little bit intimidated here. So. Yes, yes, we are. Uh, we really have such a passion to make a difference in our young people. And, uh, you know, I lost my, my teenage son to suicide. Good kid, too. And it's, yes, and it's, yes, he was a wonderful child. Yeah. Um, in August 2011, yeah. I came home from work one day and walked in his bedroom and found him, and he'd hung himself in the closet. And wow. life as I knew it at that point was over. Yeah. Um, and since then has never been the same for me. Tell us a little bit about Connor. Connor was just such an amazing young man. He He was so sweet. He was so precious. Uh, he always was such an honest young man. You know, if Connor got in trouble at school uh, for talking in class or whatever, and the school would contact me, Miss Harrington, you know, Connor needs to learn to be quiet in class. You know, he, he's in trouble. And so I would sit down and, you know, and he'd always own up to it. Well, Mom, my friend was just asking me a question. I wasn't wanting to be ugly or anything. I wasn't trying to be ugly in class. But he was just always a very honest child. Was he perfect? No. Right. There's no perfect child. And so Connor struggled in his, his academics. Um, he failed the second grade by one point. One point. I couldn't believe yes, that he failed one him point, by one point. Which really started a cycle of defeat for him yeah. as far as believing in himself and his uh, abilities to perform academically. And, and that went on for a number of years. And, and he really just, I think, never really overcame that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a number of issues that he was going through in puberty and teenage stuff and things like that. And he had told a couple of his friends that he was contemplating suicide. Of course, I had but no... But they never I, told you. They never told me. Oh. And what I find, I find that a lot. Yeah. That kids will tell other kids at schools that they're going to take their life and the friend will not reach out to anyone because they're afraid of betraying a friendship. Mm. And I always say to them, it's almost it's so much better to be- betray a friendship than it is to have to visit uh, a gravesite. Because friendships can be mended. Yes, they yeah. can. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, but it turned my world upside down and life as I knew it did no longer existed. And the day after the funeral, my Oldest son works for Dave Ramsey. Works for my cousin, that's right. In Nashville. And anyway, so the day after the funeral, he said, Mom, pack your stuff. You're moving to Tennessee. And I went to Tennessee. That's a very special young man in his own right, right there, to see that you're in pain like that and to be able to swoop you up like that. Oh, he was amazing. He he was amazing. And my other son was amazing as well. He's He's 10 years younger than my oldest son. So both of my sons were there. My oldest, I had three sons, and my youngest son, Connor, is the one that took his life. But my older son and even my my son, Garrett, my middle son, was just, I mean, they were so amazing. They, of course, were heartbroken. 
Uh, but just for me, we're such a support system. But I think at that point, he didn't know what to do. And, and my older son, excuse me, my middle son had, was going to go to Ole Miss. So he didn't want to be to stay in Mississippi by myself. And so that's why he decided to say, Mom, pack up. You're coming to Tennessee. And so it was just amazing, just the support to get from him. But for me personally, I felt like I needed a time to process through yeah. And and for me, um, you know, being a Christian woman, always love the Lord, you know, being just that solid person of faith. Yeah, but how do you not shake your fist at the sky? You know, that's... Well, you know, that's one thing I never did. Yeah. I don't, ask me why I had people that would call me and say, Miss Harrington, what, what, aren't you mad at God? And I would say, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Because Connor had a choice and God has given us free will to make our choices. Right. And so, you know, when I went to this cabin, I, I found this little cabin out in the middle of nowhere. For me personally, I just needed that time to just regroup. Where do I go from here? How do I even decide, even find happiness again? How do I find joy? How do I even laugh again? And so I found this place out in the middle of nowhere. It's like 50 miles west of Nashville on a dirt road. And on a river, a 30-foot bluff, a little cabin, and I told the guy when I went to talk to him about renting it, I said, I can't think past six months, but I want to rent this cabin for six months. And I took that six months, and I cried, I screamed, I moaned, I, just the whole grieving process and just, you know, the questions of why. What did I miss it? Where did I go wrong? What happened here? You know, just the thousands of questions that, that parents, when they lose a child, they mm-hmm. do. You know, you look internally, I must have done something wrong. You know, and we tend to do that. And so with that process, um, I really just took the time to just, come up with answers within myself. And then there were times even at that cabin where I wanted to give up. There were nights that I would just, I would get in such a low place myself to think, you know, how can I live my life without my baby? How can I even go on? And there were even times at night that I would myself say, you know, maybe I should just take my life. This is too much for me to bear. But I, I began to to talk to mm-hmm. God and, and seek God's face and right. and try to figure out what is it that I could do with this thing. I had one of two choices. I could either lay down and die right. and give up, or I can make this my life's mission to reach and, and hopefully impact and save young kids' lives. And so that's exactly what I started to do Um and so I really prayed in, in Firefly Outreach. That's what I named the organization. And uh, Firefly, I'll just kind of define that for you. Firefly mm-hmm. is Jesus, the light in the darkness, for he is the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And we must reach our young people because the, today's society and the world that we live in, there is a lot of darkness. And very tough. And, and, and of course, talk about the bullying and I want to go back to two things. Number one, the dream that you had that made you realize that Connor was okay. And that was that was very, very important. And the second one is, there's no way that you could be doing what you're doing today if you didn't have that empathy that you had been given. Because Absolutely. You, you couldn't sit there and talk to somebody in their face and say, I understand. Yes. But you that's, can't. That's very true. Talk about the dream, though. Well, I had really began 
you know, struggling a lot during that process of the questions because I'd often heard that someone that takes their life, they don't make it to heaven. Right. Now, I had led Connor to the Lord. I prayed with Connor on a regular basis, and I knew that Connor loved God. But, you know, during that process of being in that cabin by myself, I began to question those things and question, you know, was he really there? And I began to cry out to God. I Mm -hmm. said, you've got to give me something. I need something to go on to let me know that he's with you. I need that peace. I need to know and and I just cried out to God and said, please help me. Please give me something. And that's exactly what he did about four o'clock one morning. I had the strangest thing happen to me. It was a dream, but although I was awake, I mean, I knew I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. I was asleep, but I knew I was dreaming. And I knew that God was speaking to me in this dream. And God spoke to me. He said, I'm going to let you see Connor one more time. Now, this dream was as it was as real as we are sitting here Mm -hmm. today. And when he said to me, I'm going to let you see Connor one more time. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. Thank you so much. And about that time, my son walks to this through this doorway. And there is just I can't even put into words and describe to you what I saw there was so much peace, and he had an angelic presence. Mm-hmm. It was like there was just glory all over him. There was so much peace, and he was—he just there was light emanating from him. And he didn't say anything with his mouth, but his eyes spoke to me, and his eyes said to me, "Mom, I'm okay. I'm with the Lord." And God said to me, "He said, don't worry or fret anymore. I've got him. Be wow. at peace." So I, I got up that next morning, just tears rolling down my face. I couldn't, I felt as though I had physically seen my son. It was so vivid and so real. And so when I got up that next morning, I had my coffee and I was unpacking a couple of boxes. And, and so I went to get some things out of this one box. And when I went to reach in, I, my hand touched something and I picked it up. I said, Oh, it was an old digital recorder I used in my company. I thought, wow. If and when I ever start working again, I can use that thing. And it had three messages on it. And I and I started to push delete. And I heard God speak to me just as clear as a bell. Don't delete that. Listen mm-hmm. to it. And I pushed play. It was Connor. Oh, wow. And he said, Mom, I love you. I love you, Mom. I have no idea when my son recorded that message. I always kept that recorder in my vehicle. So I have no clue when he did that. But that was God's way of confirming and affirming that, yes, you did get that dream from me. And yes, he is with me. And so from that point on, I think that day transformed my life because I, I am a woman of faith. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the day that I take my last breath on this earth, that the two people I will see is Jesus and my son. You are also a very passionate woman also. Yes. And this is a topic, obviously, that you want to have, uh, you want to help other parents that have actually are going through it, but also help other parents avoid it. Uh, both of you are very passionate also about anti-bullying. Yes. There is a connection, isn't there, between the suicide and the bullying? Yes, there is. Over 3 million young people are bullied every year, and bullying often leads to suicide. Right. So that's what we've found. And, and 
Last well, define year, bullying because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, some kid like giving you a wedgie or something like that. But there can be a lot. It can be a mental bullying. Well, there's also. The mental bullying. There's physical bullying. There's the verbal, of course, yeah. and that happens a lot. And what we're seeing in today's society with the cyber bullying. Yes. You know, years ago when you were younger, if you got bullied at school, when you got home, it, it ended. Yeah. But it doesn't happen that way any longer. I mean, social media is 24-7. You know, kids put out things on social media, bullying. I know that your daughter was bullied. Right. And, you know, there's so many parents that their children are being bullied. And, and it's they have no control over the social media as far as what other kids put out there. And let's just face it, kids can be cruel. Mm-hmm. They can say yes. things and do things that are, that are cool, cruel. And so we see that. We see, I've heard this so many times where kids would tell another kid, well, just go kill yourself. Yeah. You know, nobody cares about you. Nobody likes you. And, and I guess for me, when I started working with the governor, um, Governor Phil Bryant mm-hmm. and, and Deborah have such a passion. You know, Deborah's father took his life and her nephew. They are, have been such an unbelievable resource and, and support system to really, they want to make a huge difference in Mississippi young lives. Deborah Bryant, I call her the ever ready bunny. <laughs> she is absolutely amazing. She has been a great asset to this state for her passion for young kids. And, and so when I partnered with them, mm-hmm. uh, Governor Phil wrote me a letter of endorsement for me to go into schools in the state of Mississippi and talk to young people about bullying and suicide. And that's exactly what I've been doing. I've spoken to thousands of students since last year. And the things that we're going to be talking about here is unbelievable what we've heard. What, what are some of the things you've heard? Well, I have had, when I go into the schools, here's what I do. I share my story of the empty chair. Mm-hmm. And I give young people a real picture of the aftermath of suicide. Yeah. What they're thinking this is the reality of it, that I'm left with an empty chair for the rest of my life. And so you have kids, one in every 12 young people have seriously considered suicide. Suicide's the second leading cause of death in the United States between ages 10 to 24. See, that is just absolutely a staggering statistic. Yes, yes. And what happens is we, we paint a picture of what we think a suicidal kid is mm-hmm. or what they look like, what a, a family for suicidal kids uh, it could be a straight-A student. It could be right. a straight-A. Yeah. I've seen everything. I've seen everything. And even from wealthy people to poor mm-hmm. people to African-American to white, uh, Asian, it doesn't make any difference. There, There is there's no socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, rate, particular race. It affects every single young person. Mm-hmm. And and what we're finding today is the pressures from schools, the pressures from social media, and other kids bullying, just yeah. being hateful mm-hmm. and putting things. There's been kids that things have been put out on social media. You know, people there now there's sexting, believe right. it, there's so yeah. many things that are out on the internet. There's a thing called and every parent needs to know this. It's called the deep web. And I found this through a mental health uh, program 
that I was a part of uh, speaking in Mississippi, the Mississippi Department of Mental Health put it on. And, and they had brought a speaker from Arizona to talk about the things that were out there with for young people. And he began to talk about the deep, dark web, which I had never heard about. Now, I'm just simply a parent that goes on and Googles and whatever, you know. But the dark web, there people can buy children, buy and sell children on the dark web. Yes, mm. you can buy any kind of drug on the dark web. It is the th- it's things out there that you can't even fathom or even comprehend that are accessible to people on the internet. And but, our kids have access to all this. Absolutely, yeah. they have. You can go on to YouTube and Google, and this is something that I'm wanting to really make a difference in doing. There's a lot of things that we're we're working on currently, but a child can go on YouTube and Google how to commit suicide, mm-hmm. how to kill myself, and they will show that there's tutorials out there, videos that will show kids how to kill themselves that talk about it on how to kill yourself. When you go talk to a group of students and you tell your story, obviously, what are some of the other things? I mean, what do you leave with them that would help them cope? Because I think, you know, we, I used this analogy before we were on the air, but I think a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. when I was young, I used to think suicide was just a selfish act. Now I realize mm-hmm. it's an act of exhaustion. You know, somebody it's like literally swimming and treading water until you feel like you can't do it and you go down. What kind of advice would you give a young person that's mm-hmm. watching right now that maybe feels like they have no hope, they have no chance? Well, I think, you know, every person wants to be valued and loved. And I think that what we have to do with people is oftentimes, even as adults, when we get in in problems and issues in everyday life, we can't see the forest for the trees. We're so caught up in, in what's happening in our lives. So what I try to do is to give them hope and try to paint a picture of their future and where they can go in their life and the the things that they can do. And I try to empathize with them. I try to give them that piece of hope. I talk to them about their choices and, and the direction that they go in life. There's only two paths that you can go in life. There's two roads that you can take, a path of good and a path of evil you know, a path of drugs and destruction mm-hmm. are good choices and how to really, you know, put those things into place and the right choices that they make and to help them understand that in life, we all go through trials and tribulations, but to know that things don't last forever, that you eventually will come through that. You will come through that process. And I give them a 10 promise pledge. I ask them to commit to a 10 promise pledge mm-hmm. that we give them. And people can look at that on the website on fireflyoutreach.com slash pledge. And we give them a glow in the dark, be a firefly, be a light in the a darkness, the bracelet, and ask them to commit to this, to be nice and to mm-hmm. care for one another, to care for their friends and to try to make a difference and and to be positive. And, you know, to look at and the other thing is, I think a lot of the kids that are bullying, mm-hmm. because and this is one of the things that I explain to kids that are being bullied. They're trying to fill a hole themselves. They're trying to they? fill a hole themselves. Yeah. And so if you can explain to these kids that most oftentimes the bullier is is the one that's hurting as well. Yeah. And a lot of times it's learned behavior. I know with 
uh, Kathy, some of the situations you want to share with him about your daughter. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, your daughter was bullied. Right? Yes, yeah. there's been several times that she's had several different things that have happened with bullying, but I'm just glad that we have the relationship, the open talking relationship. Right. Where and that's huge. If, yeah, and you yeah. have to do that with your mm-hmm. child, you know, and this, and this is what we sit down and talk about. I teach her, this is how you be a kind child. These are the things that you can do. If you see someone sitting at a table by themselves, you should go and speak to them because how would you feel? So we, we do talk about that an awful lot. So yeah. it's very important to me that she's like that too because think about the children. You know, we talked to somebody yesterday about the bench um, story. That's another story. But anyway, it's very important to me as a parent that she's a kind child. And if she sees something, that she's going to speak up. So we, you know, I'll give her an instance. What do you do if this happens? I go tell someone. Exactly. If you see someone being bullied and it's someone that can't speak up for themselves, you go talk to the teacher. So she knows that, and that's important and you that parents see have this those child. discussions. This child of hers is absolutely oh, beautiful. Right. She is, she's just beautiful. But why would she, why was she bullied, just out of curiosity? Just One day, it was at her daycare. Well, mm-hmm. there's been things at school, too, and there's actually been times that her actual friends have bullied her. Her own friends, And I yeah. won't go into the, the stories, but it, it's yeah. her own friends, and, and it's, it's disappointing because... It's her friend. Yeah, that, it, that leaves a mark. It, yeah, it does. Yeah. But other things have happened at daycare where she was trying to take up for other people that were being bullied, and yeah. then she got bullied in the situation. But I'm okay with her taking up for someone. So if you know right. she gets in trouble for that, we're okay with that. You know, but um, I'm just I'm just proud that I'm trying to teach her to be kind, you know, and to look out for other people that how'd are being t- bullied. How'd you two hook up? That's a God story. Um, <laughs> after that, after several things that happened with my child, I just was like, oh, gosh, we've got to do something. I'm starting to hear this too often. And mm-hmm. just from her friends, we had, every time she has someone spend the night, I just ask the question, have you been through anything like this? And then you start to hear more stories. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Because I feel like you want me to do something. You want me to yeah. get involved. So I did. I kind of started my own um, Mothers Against Bullying Facebook page and reached out to some people and had some discussions within the community. And my spiritual mother said, well, let me let you get in touch with Patty Harrington. She has a ministry. And and then the very next day, we, we talked and hit it off and prayed about it. And we were like, okay, the same visions he has given me to, to make a difference within the community mm-hmm. were the same exact things that he had put and in. two are better her. than one. And That's so right. we just exactly. have such a heart to make a difference. You know, we just got the Stop Bullying Car Tags assigned yes. into law with the by the governor, which is amazing. That and is amazing. And of course, amazing. you have to have 300 signatures, if I remember correctly. You have correctly, to have so 300, 300 pre-orders, yeah. pre-purchases to, before the, uh, they'll send it to print. So that's what we're working on right now. But you know, any parent that has, uh, has experienced this or wants to support the Stop Bullying in state of, the state of Mississippi. So what we're saying is let's stop bullying Mississippi. I, that, I think, that's yeah. the campaign I think that we're really focusing on and to really try to make a difference. But a lot of these kids, too, and going back to speaking to the kids at school, you know, going and, and talking to these young people. Mm-hmm. And when we share the story of the empty chair, it's transformational. It's it's unbelievable how many kids, the stories that you hear, the stories of brokenness, the yeah. stories that kids will tell you that will absolutely break your heart. I've seen everything in these kids, mm-hmm. the pressures are unbelievable, and even the things that they go through, it's just horrific. In the in the remaining couple minutes we've got, 
throw some tips out for parents because there's parents that are watching right now that maybe they don't know what's going on in their kid's life or maybe they don't know what to look for and what they can do to help. I would say start the conversation. That's a campaign that we're doing as well, to start the conversation. Because what happens is oftentimes people are so afraid to talk about Mm -hmm. suicide because they're afraid if they talk about it, it will cause a child to do it. But statistics show that when you confront these issues head on, lives are saved. Number one is ask your child, have you thought about it? Mm -hmm. Has this entered your mind? What's going on? I want you to open up to me. Ask, do they have friends that are talking about taking their lives? Because we have to understand that we think a lot of times, well, this wouldn't happen Mm -hmm. to my child or this wouldn't happen I never thought it would happen to my child, and just like the campaign that we're doing here with other women and men just in our area that have lost children, beautiful families, wonderful families, awesome people that just we're asking people to start the conversation. If you ask, you never know that that child that day might say, yes, I have thought about it. And if they have, get them help. Right. Take them to a counselor. Get them professional help. And there's no stigma, stigma there's to no that at stigma. all. There's no stigma. Open yeah. the lines of communication. Right. I think that is huge because when you open the lines of communications, lives can be saved. Absolutely. And Definitely. that's our heart and passion. Any other advice you'd like to give parents in the remaining Just time? hug your kids today. Yeah. You know, if I, I could go back and have that few minutes with Connor, that just to hug him and squeeze him. I always told him every day how much I loved him, but I would take that special time just to hug him and just say, you know, you know, you're just so beautiful and you're so valuable and I love you so much. And I couldn't imagine my life without you because you just never know. But just to say, I love you is a beautiful thing. And as parents, you know, we all get busy. You know, just just take the time out to spend time with your children without the electronics, without TV, and just one-on-one talk. If you go to a restaurant and you see a family sitting at a dinner table. (laughs) Looking at the screens. Everybody is sitting there on their phone. I think for families, it needs to be a no-phone night to communicate. I think that's one of the biggest keys that's the biggest issue I think going on in society today is the communication, lack of communication, but we're communicating with our phones, but not our families. This is a a great way to end it. Thank you both for being with me today. Thank Thank you you so much. We appreciate the invitation. I'm Marshall Ramsey. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to this podcast to be updated on new episodes. Conversations is produced by Mississippi Public Broadcasting.